Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Thank you for joining us. We'd like to get to know you better. Would you visit awordandseasonpodcast.org and fill out our survey? You'll also be entered for a chance to win a free gift. On awordandseasonpodcast.org, you're going to find many resources available to you. You can read Doug's blog, check out our recent episodes from our Transforming Leadership series, and learn more about Somebody Cares and how we are responding to recent natural disasters and global crisis. Let's lean in and listen as we welcome our host, Doug Stringer. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Uh, we are especially blessed to have a special guest all the way from Germany. Jody Cherikosta, who is our Vice President of Somebody Cares International, is going to introduce our special guest. And I think it's so important, especially in the situations we see around the world, it can become very overwhelming. I'm reminded of Psalm 4610 that says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I know that's a cliche in some ways, especially when you're going through things, but I do know that God's word is true and we need to hold on to the truths of God that are unwavering because we are part of an unshakable kingdom. Our guest has been working for a hundred years. The organization that he oversees, Call of Hope, they are working in some very difficult places and have been consistently serving the people in all these countries and communities that need the message of good hope, message of good news. So Jody, would you introduce our guest today? Yeah, thank you, Doug. I am very privileged and honored to uh, introduce Stefano Fair, who is the president of Call of Hope and the COO of Carmel Mission that is located in Stuttgart, Germany. For over a century, Call of Hope and Carmel Mission have been making the gospel accessible to Muslims through a variety of means, including creative media, relational evangelism, discipleship, humanitarian aid, and various church planning initiatives. They work through more than 200 indigenous Muslim background believers. Those are people who came to Christ from Islam, and all of them have been theologically trained and are leaders in their ministries and communities. Call of Hope carries out its work in 28 Islamic countries from the Middle East to Africa to Southeast Asia. And, uh, Reverend Fair also serves on the board of directors of the committees of evangelical mission in Germany, Switzerland, Lebanon, Israel, and Kenya. He's a busy man. So we really appreciate his taking a few moments to share with us what God is doing in the Muslim world to encourage us and to allow us to know how to pray better for our brothers and sisters who are in harm's way. Stefano's received recognition for Call of Hope and Evangelical Carmel Mission nationally and globally. His 20 years of ministry among Muslims has taken him to both urban and rural areas throughout the Middle East, Africa, India, and Southeast Asia. He is an internationally known speaker and broadcaster and can be heard periodically on the Moody Broadcast Network and Salem Radio Network. Stefano speaks annually to hundreds of ministry leaders and missionaries on topics like contextualizing the gospel of Islam. The Quran is not the word of God, Jesus and Islam, and the evangelization of Muslims. And Stefano travels extensively to Call of Hope ministry locations, providing leadership and direction to indigenous co-workers throughout the Islamic world. He also travels to disaster areas to oversee relief efforts provided by the ministry. Stefano has a Master of Divinity degree from a, a seminary in Germany, and he resides in Germany with his family. I wanted everyone to at least get a, an understanding of your background. So we wanted Jody to read the, the biographical sketch, because for our listeners today, I think we all have been very heartbroken over what we're seeing in Afghanistan right now. Of course, things all over the world that we're all involved in, in helping to bring some element of the presence of God and peace. 
peace in the midst of turmoil. But you have been integrated and working in these countries for a century. So you have a unique perspective here. It's not something you decided to do because of a crisis. It's that you've been there long before the crisis. And I see so many people today taking advantage of and opportunities of difficult situations that have been working and serving people in Afghanistan in that region quite some time. Would you share with us a little bit about how you got involved in this work? You know, with me, Doc, it was somehow even family related. My father was the director of this mission we are working in. Means uh, since I was two and a half years old, I actually grew up in our mission's headquarters. And many of these 200 indigenous workers from Muslim background were sitting with us on our dining table. You know, I, I grew up with that. I think like this, the, the Lord really also touched my heart for this kind of work because I was somehow journeying with them and heard about their problems, but especially I was always touched by their faithfulness and you know when you when you eat with people and they tell you how difficult their life is because they are out there to let people know about Jesus but then you feel how joyful they are and how much they really want still to reach out also they are in problems then this is something which also touches you yourself and this was the case with me I went to study theology and then when uh, it was around the question, where will my wife and I go for ministry? I always thought, well, I would like to go into this direction of call of hope, but then I also felt, you know, this is nothing you inherit. So somehow uh, I just waited and we prayed. And then the new general director of that ministry reached out to me more than 20 years ago and asked me, well, wouldn't it be something which you would like to do to work with Call of Hope? And my wife and I just felt, well, this is something the Lord has laid on our heart. And now the question comes and we say wholeheartedly, yes, the Lord, he himself now is asking us to do that. And now since more than 20 years, I'm privileged to work alongside these brothers and sisters whom I respect a lot because they are ready to pay the price for being Christian and for being a testimony in this difficult circumstance. Yes, and you know, there are so many who are in the Western culture. When we talk about oppression or persecution, it's a whole different dynamic, isn't it? Absolutely, you're right. And, and you know, uh, now all of us, of course, uh, see what is happening in the news in Afghanistan. And this is one thing, you know, it, it touches us, isn't it, when we see it. But then when I'm in contact with our brother there, and you really feel uh, how hard it is for him. Uh, just think about, I mean, he's got three daughters. They have three daughters, all unmarried, all in the age, early 20. You don't know what is going to happen with them. You, you just don't know. The Taliban are going from door to door. I mean, these, these are not theoretical questions then. This is really something where uh, you feel how hard it is and, and how necessary it is for us to not leave them alone and to really pray for them. And I myself was somehow comforted 
when uh, our brother yesterday wrote to me and said, yeah, it's terrible, but I feel that you all are praying for us. I feel it. And we get somehow calmed down. And, you know, that, that's touching for me when people say, even before you are telling them, they say, I feel that you pray for us. You know, I was thinking when you were just sharing that, we hear so much of what the media portrays now, which has exposed some of the obvious, horrendous things that are happening. But sadly, especially in our Western culture, when the media attention moves to something else, it doesn't change the ongoing needs in Afghanistan and throughout the region. Now, you've been working in Afghanistan for quite some time. Would you just share a little bit about the good news in the midst of even prior to where we are now? I have friends that are working in that area have told me that in the last 10, 15 years, there, there has been an incredible amount of people that are open to the gospel. Can you give me your perspective on that as well? That's true. And, you, you know, Doc, now we see all what is happening there with the Taliban. And I hear people saying, oh, now Afghanistan gets really difficult. It was difficult before, you know. I mean, I've been there myself. Also, the last 20 years, it was extremely difficult to share your faith. And uh, I remember when I talked to these Christians, and one of our brothers told me, he said, before I give out a booklet, I first talk to somebody for hours. I pray for days. And then I might decide to give an evangelistic booklet because if I give it to the wrong person, I'll be dead. That was really like this before. Of course, now it's even worse. But when you think about, I mean, we go out, give tracts, but in this situation, if you give it to the wrong person and he tells the wrong person, then you are killed. And, and that was the situation also before. Also, in this situation, our brothers and sisters were ready to do it. I mean, Doc, we need to be frank here. Uh, sometimes I hear crazy numbers, and I think these are crazy numbers. We talk of, I don't know, somewhere between 500 to maybe 2,000 believers from a Muslim background in Afghanistan. This might be small numbers, but then we have to understand Everybody there who received the Lord in this tremendous, difficult situation is a huge miracle of the Lord. And uh, I saw that happening. You know, we were able to give out booklets. We were able to have small Bible studies. And there were always people who were interested and were so much touched by what they heard about Jesus that they were ready to give their life to Christ. Also, that meant for them to risk their life on earth. So yes, the last few years, we have seen many to come to Christ. And this was an incredible miracle. And of course, we don't know how the situation now will change. But, you know, sometimes I heard Christians there telling me, oh, I feel God has forsaken Afghanistan. And we always told them, we are sure he hasn't. He has not forgotten Afghanistan. And also now, he has not forgotten this country. We believe that strongly. 
even if we don't know what the future, the next weeks will bring, but we know that the Lord is also with this country. The challenges now show me also that, in fact, other countries that I've been to similarly around that region, those who have made a quality decision, a genuine decision to follow after Christ, they understand the price. They've counted the cost. When I was near Iran years ago with some underground leaders, they were sharing with me that though they are cautious, they know that it's cost them to stand for Christ and they're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And when I read those scriptures that we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it gives me a different perspective when you're talking to someone who it has cost them everything, family, relationships, being ostracized, imprisonment persecution. And then we think of in some parts of our culture where people are concerned about what suit or dress they're going to get. Somehow we have really blurred the lines here of what that means. And at the same time, we know that brothers and sisters that you work with and others have worked with, we have worked with, it's cost them everything. Absolutely. And you know, when I think of Psalm 16, for example, then we see David saying, well, the Lord is the most important, actually, everything I have for me. And, and I feel this is exactly what these people feel. Uh, when you have lost everything, then you understand maybe much better than we sometimes understand that the Lord is the most important for our life. Uh, it's also true for us, but we sometimes may not feel it. But these brothers and sisters, they are fully aware of it. You know, I, I remember once talking to a lady in Lebanon and she was from Muslim background. She was almost killed because she was talking about Jesus and she was lying there in short. And she tells us, she says, listen, if the Muslims want to shut me up, they can only do this by killing me. But mm -hmm. when they kill me, well, I will be with Jesus. You know, that, that's their perspective. What, what do they have to lose? They know they only have to gain. If they are killed, they are with Jesus. And yes, it's true. Sometimes I'm also ashamed, you know, when I have these conversations. And I do think sometimes about, well, what kind of troubles do I have? What do I think about? And, and then I see they are really ready to give everything up for the sake of Christ. Um, that, that's a big positive example for me to follow. I know that you're familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who at the time during Nazi Germany could have stayed in Europe or stayed in, in America talking about the atrocities. And yet he wrote the book on the cost of discipleship. And I remember something he said, when Christ calls a man to himself, he bids him to die. And that's something that I think it's hard for many of us to truly comprehend. But yet God raises up uh, heroes and champions in the midst of the circumstances who rise up and they truly live out that message, don't they? Absolutely. And I think it's uh, important that you say God is raising them up. You know, so sometimes we feel these people are faith heroes. Well, well maybe they are, but they are not because... They would be this wonderful Christians I could never be. No, they are because the Lord is with them and the Lord is in them and he makes it possible. This is what I always see. You know, when, when 
somebody like I saw that in Nigeria, somebody lost his son, his oldest son got killed because they are Christian. And then this brother tells me, look, even if the Muslims take all the four of my children, I will get closer with every child to the Lord until one day I will be with him. Wow. This, wow. Is, this is nothing you can produce out of yourself. Yeah. This is something the Lord needs to really work out in you. And th this is what I see. And this is what I pray also for me personally, that the Lord in the situation will help me and all of us to feel with these situations done in the right way. That is definitely the amazing, abounding, and great grace of God that we all need. Yesterday, we're recording today on August the 20th, and we're right in the middle of watching this thing in Afghanistan being lived out on the media, various emotions and a plethora of emotions for everyone. Yesterday, August 19th, was what is called World Humanitarian Day, and I was reading something from a longtime friend who's actually one of the directors there, at USAID and just mentioned how there has been such a huge increase of violence against humanitarian workers as well around the world. And of course, we know that is even far more true for those who have given their lives in those countries as those who love the Lord, God's people, Christians, as well as Christian humanitarian organizations as well are especially targeted. You not only work in Afghanistan, but you, of course, work in Nigeria. You, you work in Lebanon and other countries. Tell us a little bit about what's happening, because I know Nigeria, we have many, many friends from there. I've been there. It's a very precarious situation when you have such a huge amount of believers at the same time, a huge amount of persecution against believers. Tell us a little bit about some of the work that Call of Hope is doing in Nigeria and Lebanon and other places. In Nigeria, we work in the north, and you might know that the south is, of course, Christian-influenced, but that the north is more or less totally Muslim. We try to do is there to go into the very remote areas uh, where there are only Muslims. We have uh, 45 what we call farmer evangelists. They are ready, they are pastors and are ready to go in very, very simple villages where there are only Muslims and they talk about Christ there. They risk their life. And we very often hear that they need to flee from the Boko Haram, a Muslim terrorist group who wants to kill them. It is really very difficult for them. But the question always is, how do they now reach out to these people? Because they don't want to talk to Christians. They think Christians are Haram. And you were talking about humanitarian work. We are also doing it. We, we are not the Red Cross. But we feel that if you talk about the love of Christ, if you talk about the love of Jesus Christ, you cannot let people stop. So it goes together. You talk about the love and you show the love. And this is what we are doing. You see, for example, this brother I was talking about uh, who lost his son in Nigeria. He's the director of this 45 missionary. And there was an awakening and many came to Christ there were a lot of young people, they were Christians and were not allowed to go to school anymore because these were Muslim schools. We decided to do what we call the goat project. This child gets a goat, raises the goat, then this goat gives little goats. These goats can be sold and with the money they earn, they can go to school. Great, wonderful. 
But then the Muslim leaders came to our director and asked him and said, hey, why on earth do you only give goats to Christians? We Muslims also want goats. And you know, our director there, I mean, his first thought was, no, forget about it. You kill my son. You persecute us. And now you want us to help you? No, no way. But the Lord didn't let him go like this. He felt there is no peace in his heart. And he understood when I talk about love, I need to show love. Then after some time, all our co-worker there decided to give the goats they got for their families to Muslim children. And this changed everything. Not because of the goats. People came to the church, not because of the goats. They already had the goats, but they came because they wanted to see the sort of the love they have seen. And today we still do this goat project, but then we always give half of the goats to Christians and half of the goats to Muslims. So it always goes together, talking about the love, if people can read, giving them uh, evangelistic booklets, giving them Bibles, but then also practically show them the love of Christ. And I think that makes the difference. Absolutely. When God said in Isaiah 1 that all the raising of your hands, all your gatherings that he does not regard, it's not that he doesn't regard our gathering together or our prayers. It's just that we've forgotten to take care of the primary things of showing the action of God's love too, where the shedding of innocent blood, the things of justice, the widows and the orphan. And that's what we believe as well. And, and Jody, I just want you to share a little bit about your perspective, because I know also we've worked in Muslim countries like Indonesia and other places of the world. And even after the tsunami where God gave us favor with many Muslim leaders because they saw Christians Practically, just like Stefano was sharing, that we don't just speak good news, we are actually being able to share good news by our in practical ways. And so, Jody, share a little bit about your experiences as well. I've worked in countries where uh, really there, you know, there were Muslims and there were other animists and uh, other people who did not know Christ. And what Stefano says is true: when they see the love of God working through God's people, they're drawn. No one can love like that apart from God. There's no way. No one can forgive atrocities except for the love of God. And that brings me back, Stefano, to Nigeria. Uh, I know that you mentioned Boko Haram, and there's another group in Nigeria that's really causing a lot of tragedy and trauma, the Fulani herdsmen. And a lot of people are having to flee from the north, from their villages. You know, they're now refugees. And I believe Call of Hope has some work even among the refugees. Is that right? Absolutely. What we do is, number one, that we want to help them to overcome the trauma. This is also some done by comforting them through the word of God. You know, many of these people have actually even lost their Bibles. Christians and people from Muslim background, they have lost their Bibles. And the best thing you actually can do is to bring them back their Bibles. I remember one woman, she has lost her husband and her two sons were killed by the Boko Haram. And she got a Bible in her hand from one of our co-workers. And she looks up to him and says, Pastor, with this Bible, you have given me back the hope. They lost hope. But through the Bible, they get back their hope. And what we also try to do, we, for example, run um, a school in one of these refugee camps. So these people are displaced, yeah, internally displaced, but they have lost 
everything. And the worst thing to happen for parents is to see their children growing up without education and only with hate. So what we try to do is to give them hope by providing education and providing them hope through Jesus Christ. Because, you know, uh, some of these kids, when our co-worker was with them in the refugee camp, and most of these children have actually lost their parents we are working with there. And he asked them, what, what, what do you want to be in future? You know, this is what you usually ask a child. And he might tell you, I don't know. He, I want to be a policeman or a firefighter. Or I don't know what. And these boys looked up to him and said, we want to be soldiers. We want to kill the killers of our parents. And of course, this is worst for a nation if only hate reigns. We need to reach out to them and to give them the love of Christ. And this we can do by providing them education, by providing them also uh, a meal in school. And all these things are done in northern Nigeria. You know, I'm thinking about um, a quote by Leonard Ravenhill who said, Could a mariner remain idle if he heard a drowning cry? Could a doctor sit in comfort and just let his patients die? Could a fireman let people burn without lending a hand? Can you sit at ease in Zion or as Christians while the world around you is damned? These are still powerful questions for us in the West today. And I just thank God for ministries like Call of Hope and others that are working and serving, oftentimes without the fanfare, without all the accolades, but you continue to be consistent as your ministry has been for a century and continue to serve in those areas that others have given up on. What can Christians in the West learn from our brothers and sisters living in places like Afghanistan, Lebanon, Nigeria, other places? And, and how can we be praying for them, especially right now? Well, I can tell you what I always learn from our brothers and sisters. And, and I learn, number one, to trust in the Lord. I mean, when I see how much they trust the Lord, this is something I want to learn from them. I want to learn from them to really stay connected to the Lord in prayer. Prayer in the persecuted church uh, are much longer uh, than our prayers, and uh, I understand why. And what we also can learn from them is really hard work. You know, sometimes we don't see how hard they work because they know how important it is to reach out because otherwise people are lost. But how can we pray for them? The most important is to pray for them that they always feel that the Lord is with them. You know, sometimes we know, but sometimes we forget. And how wonderful is it when we can pray for them that they are always aware the Lord is with me now and he will carry me through and he will for sure carry me through until the end. I think that's the most important. Of course, it's good to get to know news from Call of Hope, from Somebody Cares, from many others to, to know specifically how to pray for them. But let us pray for them that they are comforted, that they know that the Lord Jesus is with them now in this situation. We have some partners and friends with our ministries. Somebody cares out of New England. He's from Lebanon. And so we responded along with many others in the, in the blast there. And I think, Jody, you have a question also about that and how Call of Hope has continued to to serve in that region. Stefano, you know, Lebanon had that horrible blast at the port in Beirut, but that's not the only challenge that nation is facing right now. In fact, many think it's really 
on the verge of collapse. But Call of Hope has been working in Lebanon for, I think, around 100 years, if I'm not correct. What are you doing in a nation that's in total turmoil? Lebanon went through this terrible civil war in the 80s, and it actually never calmed down. Then uh, since 2011, there are these millions of refugees pouring. And then on the 4th of August last year, there was this blast. And all this together led to an economical crisis, unbelievable. The World Bank speaks about an economical crisis, one of the worst the last 150 years. The World Bank says around 80% of the Lebanese are not able to buy enough food to live. That applies to 99% of the Syrian refugees. Their currency was devaluated by 90%. Means if somebody earned around 1,000 US dollars a month, he now earns 100 US dollars a month. No way to live. And this is the situation we are in at the moment. What can you do? I mean, you go, you tell them about the love of Christ. We do that in Beirut with nominal Christians, with Muslims. We do that in other areas uh, close to Syria, where we work with the Muslim uh, refugees from Syria. We try to help them as much as we can. At the moment, that means just giving them bread. Many of the bakeries are closed and the bakeries which are open, they cannot provide enough bread and people also don't have the money to buy it. So we go around uh, with sacks of bread. Uh, Actually, we have even written them on the bag. It is written, I am the bread of life. And a Muslim would ask, what? What do you mean? Well, then you can explain. We are going around helping them with food. We are going around helping them uh, with blankets, whatever they need. But the most important is that we tell them about the hope of eternity. Our brother and sisters at the moment there, they are tirelessly doing it. Also, of course, they also have the problem. There is no fuel around, for example. So it, it's difficult even to, to, to ride your car. But the Lord always blesses us until now. It was always possible to go and help the people, thousands of them. And we have seen more than 500 Syrian refugees in the last few years, Muslims coming to Christ, more than 100 asking to get baptized. And these are miracles, you know, in the midst of this turmoil. I was in Lebanon uh, a few weeks ago. I know Lebanon very, very well in the last 20 years. And, and I was so sad to see what the situation is. But the Lord fills our hands and can give his blessing to the people there. Praise the Lord for everyone that receives Christ. My husband works with you, Stefano, and shares testimonies from time to time about people who received bread and came to Christ at one of the churches that you have, or some of the Syrian militants who came across the border and who actually got baptized, which is a huge commitment. You know, as you said, they're laying down their life for Christ, both spiritually and possibly physically. You know, we rejoice whenever we hear those stories. Absolutely. When I was there last time, I talked to a guy and I praised the Lord three days after I have seen him. He gave his life to Christ. He was still on his journey when I talked to him. And he told me, he said, I know when I leave Islam, I know what can happen to me because I live in a very militant circumstance. And I know these Muslims would actually kill Christians. I know about it. 
So he really weighed his decision because he knew what would be awaiting for him. And three days after he told me that, he gave his life to Christ. You see how earnestly they really weigh their decision, but they want to belong to the Lord. I'm reminded in Psalm 112 verses 1 through 9, and I wrote this down almost as a reminder to myself regularly when I see things happening right before our very eyes. But being encouraged in the Lord in the midst of it, it says that even in darkness or difficult times, light dawns for the upright. Those who are gracious, compassionate, righteous, generous, lends freely, scatters gifts to the poor, and walks justly, they will never be shaken, will be remembered forever, have no fear of bad news. Heart is steadfast or trusting God. Their heart is secure, no fear. They will triumph and his form will be lifted high in honor. And then something you said, Stefano, was about trusting in the Lord. And again, I don't want to be cliche-ish here, but I was rereading Psalm 37 and wrote down five points for me to be praying into for our brothers and sisters. One, trust in the Lord. Two, delight in the Lord. Three, commit your way to the Lord. Four, rest in the Lord. And five, wait on the Lord. And then I wrote this out, trust in the Lord and do good, feed on his faithfulness. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, do not fret. Wait on the Lord, keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. And then, of course, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is the strength in the time of trouble. The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Psalm 37, 39, and 40. So it's amazing to me how... At times like this, we can read scripture, preach scripture, teach on scripture, but there are moments where scripture becomes the living word. It's alive as we watch our brothers and sisters live through some of these things. And so we thank God for Call of Hope. We thank you for all those that you're serving with. And uh, how can people get a hold of Call of Hope if they wanted to find out more about the ministry? The easiest way for sure is uh, through the website, callofhopeus.org, where you will find everything about the ministry, projects, and also where we come about. Uh, it's callofhopeus.org. That's great. And so, Jody, any final thoughts or questions before we close in prayer? Stefano, just thank you for your time and sharing with us. And uh, it's always encouraging to hear the faithfulness and courage of our brothers and sisters who are in harm's way. And I, I know it challenges me. I know it's challenging all of our listeners to really keep our eyes on Jesus, regardless of the trials that we might be going through. When we don't minimize the pressures and trials that we here in the West face from time to time, we really can draw encouragement and inspiration from our brothers and sisters who are facing death daily. Amen. Thank you so much again for being with us. I know you're quite a few hours ahead of us. We just thank you for taking the time with us and to share some of what the Call of Hope is doing, as well as insights that you have directly with those that are working in these areas like in Nigeria, Afghanistan, and in Lebanon and other places. Again, thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for the call of hope, Stefano, and all those that he is working with, serving with. Lord, I, I thank you for all the other champions that you have called in these regions that we've been talking to these last few days. God, I pray that you would give them strength and encouragement. At the same time, Lord, I pray that you would help those of us who have been watching and seeing the horrendous things on the media that we keep our perspective and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that we would also trust in you and 
And it's discerned how we too can be of those who can undergird in prayer, but also in practical ways to serve those who are on the front lines throughout these regions. Lord, I'm asking you to give us perspective. I'm asking you to do a work in us, even as Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision, used to pray, God, break my heart with the things that break yours. God, our hearts have been broken at what we've seen, but let us not do so just when we see it on the news. Let us truly go into our prayer closets and recognize that you are doing a work beyond what we can see, and you're moving in ways beyond our human comprehension. God, I pray for supernatural provision and peace and wisdom and clarity and favor for Call of Hope and for those other ministries and organizations and individuals that we serve with in these regions. We bless your holy name, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Head over now to a wordinseasonpodcast.org and let us know how we're doing by taking a quick survey. If you need prayer today, reach out to prayer at somebodycares.org or you can call or text our 24-hour Somebody Cares America prayer line, 855-459-CARE. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.